I don't remember anything about that game. First of all, I was so pissed, uh-huh. but I was so drunk. <laughs> What's up, heroes? I'm Brendan Fitzgibbons. And I'm Sophie Santos. And we're the co-hosts of the new comedy sports podcast, Hammered, Hammered Heroes. On Hammered Heroes, we celebrate the best performances by professional athletes while they were hammered, on drugs, or horribly hungover. Myself, Santana, and Sean, prior to the game, we would take a little shot. Each week, we'll discuss a game or incident that focuses on an athlete's mind-blowing performance, despite being extremely hammered. Doc Ellis working on a no-hitter. It was easier to pitch with the LSD. That's the way I was dealing with the fear of failure. Think of it as drunk history meets 30 for 30 meets jackass. We're going to have the best comedians, sports personalities, and even the hammered heroes themselves. And then we're even going to try and recreate some of these legendary performances. Will we always be drunk? No. Yes. It's, it's hammered, hammered heroes. heroes. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So the, the, the record was 73. 73 beers and a cross-country flight. Yeah. Well, in this show, we talk all things bring a trailer with the guy who created it. Randy Nonnenberg, and some recap of uh, Monterey. Yeah, we'll talk well. a little bit about the, the quail and the Jet Center party, the auctions, a little bit of everything. First, there's Geico. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Yeah, get it on. Got the to get it on. Welcome to CarCast. Matt Perot. It's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Over there, what's going on? Hello, how are you? Oh man, busy. Yeah, always busy. Traveling, <laughs> doing shows, doing yeah. TV shows. I was a little surprised we did Monterey, and then you went the next weekend to do Salt Lake City or wherever you guys went up. I thought maybe just like a weekend break. Well, the the <laughs> but tires, Mike doesn't care about breaks. The tires and the fuel ain't ain't cheap these days. <laughs> So I'm hitting it. And Mike August looks at the calendar going, going oh, well, you're in town that weekend. <laughs> right. Just so go. Might as well be out of just town. Just go. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, what's going on in the car world? Monterey, we haven't really gotten into it. Um, always great. Weather was uh, perfect. Um, the events were great. It's nice to be around like-minded yeah. guys, right? It was fantastic. I mean, that, that 100 years of Lama being celebrated at the track, uh, I touched on it a little bit last week. You know, we're just walking around that tent, and this Ferrari's $50 million, this one's $75 million, the Mercedes is $100 million. It's just like, I don't know how many cars were there, 30, 35 cars underneath that tent. It was just like, nothing roped off. Everybody's cool. Nobody's yeah. doing anything. You know, yeah. nobody's putting their beer on the hood of a car. Ah, you put maybe on your on on the Bitsarini. <laughs> it, it was uh, Bruce Myers uh, yeah, Bitsarini, but it was, was like there. this is hundreds of millions of dollars of cars, the coolest cars, the most storied cars out there, just being on display. And then for the guys that wanted to, they were racing them or taking them out for the exhibition mm-hmm. uh, runs as well. So be able to hear them and see them on the track is uh yeah i mean it's it's monterey at its best right it's like rolex historics at its best yeah 
So sometimes they pick a mark and, um, you know, it's like fiat, 100 years, and you're like, meh, <laughs> you know, or something. You know, they're usually kind of cool, IMSA or something like that, but you're not going to do much better than 100 years of Le Mans. Right. And so some of those cars, we had some interesting conversations about that with some of the guys. So we're we're looking at uh, what Bruce Kenepa has described as what he thinks the, the most valuable car in the world is, or probably the most valuable Ferrari now that uh, mm-hmm. that Mercedes sold for 142 uh, euro. So, so Bruce told me, which was uh, – I, it's 160 million bucks. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. A, uh, Chris can find it. It was the most expensive Mercedes Benz ever sold. Uh, it was part of like uh, it wasn't like a private auction. It was like Mercedes contracted RM to do the auction on site with sort of a invited group of bidders. But I kind of like that they did this because they wanted that number to be public, mm-hmm. right? So they could have private sailed it, or they could have just said, "Hey, we're going to do our own little thing mm-hmm. and go public with that number." And I think it's—I think that was actually a smart move for the collector car world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I thought it was like 141 million bucks. Yeah, but I thought someone, so too. someone said euro, but maybe it was 121 euro or something. But either way, <laughs> um, but the thing that was kind of interesting is. Um, when we're looking at the car that um, Bruce Kenepa said several years back, I think I was on the lawn talking to him, and he said, no, the Ford GTO, sorry, the Ferrari GTO is not the most expensive car. It's this 250LM or this 300LM, mm-hmm. you know, mid-engine V8, because it was the last, I think in 64 63, 64. Anyway, it was the last Ferrari to basically win Le Mans outright. And that's why this car is worth so much. And then you and I were looking at it. And we we're like, wow, it's got a nice patina on yeah. it still. You can see all the chips in the front where the pebbles would have would have rutted out the front nose yeah. and, and so on and so forth. We're like, man, somebody had some real foresight to, to think to keep this thing in original Le Mans condition. <laughs> right. So then we were talking about it. And uh, Bruce was like, no, I... I refurbished that car. Like I, yeah. I restored that car, and I said, "You restored it." It's uh, I can see all the chips and the scuffs and the yeah, marks. Yeah, you did a very good paint. job, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, and the paint looks kind of rough. And he, I think he said, "Oh no, when when we got that car, it had like an Earl Scheib type paint job yeah. on it, yeah, a yeah. really bad paint job on it." And then what we did is we recreated the patina. And I said, how'd you do that? And he said, well, we painted it. And it's kind of weird. Like you have this $100 million car, but you have to give it like a $1,500 paint job. You can't give it a $30,000 paint job because that's how it was. And then he said, we went next door. I think there was a place at construction supply place or something. We bought some gravel Mm -hmm. and some rocks and some stones and we threw it at the front of the nose yeah he was doing a little bit more of like a mythbusters mythbusters experiment he's like well we painted several uh, test panels obviously mm-hmm. not from the car and we we tried throwing things at it to figure out what we wanted and when we got it the way we wanted they took like the front clip of that car and they put it up on a rack and they threw like kind of like 
at this point, they kind of knew where to throw and how hard to throw after a few test panels. And I was like, eh, it's pretty creative. Yeah, it was uh, really cool. But it, it works. It, it looks like it has the patina yeah. from the day back on it. There was a Mercedes in the tent, I think, that won outright in 1954. 1954 right? That was, uh, that was a, another, I guess, $100 million car or whatever. Whoever, yeah, I, whoever's got that Mercedes has to be happy about the other Mercedes. Kenneth now. said that car is every bit of $100 million. And, Oh, did and, Yeah. And, yeah, and then... It, we know, and of course, we're looking at it. And you're like, well, 54. It's like it's not much car. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a bathtub. It looks kind of like it's got the, a little Porsche bathtub to it. Yeah, but with like, if you put a bubble with gold wing doors on it, like kind of roundish, chubby gold wing doors, not the kind of the nice formed SL gold wing doors. But you know, it's like if you made it to fit, it kind of looked like a like a cartoon car. But yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, so lots of cool stuff, lots of nice guys. They they changed up the order a little bit this time. They had a run group just go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, one one run per day, uh, 25 minutes versus 20 minutes. It's kind of nice in the sense that we, in the past, they do two runs a day. But they wouldn't run on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And maybe they do one run on Thursday and then two runs Friday, two runs Saturday, some version of that. Or maybe, no, let's think about this. It's probably two runs one, on Saturday. I think yeah, one run Thursday, one run Friday, and then they do two on, on Saturday. But um, as I was saying, I, I kind of like this format because the old format, the first run might be. 9.30, might be 10.15 in the morning. But when you got up, it was time to hit the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no hanging out, drinking your coffee, and taking a walk yeah, or something. Walk. Yeah, it was like, and, you know, uh, the night before, you might be at some cool party, and you might have a few drinks, and you might want to sleep in a little bit the next day because you're, you're kind of on vacation. But you'd have to kind of get up and get it, yeah. you know. And then you do your run group at, like, 10, 10, 15, whatever it was. And oftentimes the afternoon session wouldn't go off till like three o'clock or even three thirty. So you'd get out of the car and your long johns would be covered with sweat. That'd be number, <laughs> yeah. number one, they would never dry between the two sessions. And then two, you just want to crack a beer and kind of walk around but you always had this sort of clock in the back of your head. Yeah, like yeah. I gotta we got to be wheels up by five thirty. We got another event or something. Yeah, but the second the second run was always in the back of my head. Like there is no cracking a beer and walking around. There's a kind of a waiting for the next the next run group. So it's kind of nice just to let your long johns dry and uh, get out, crack a beer, walk around, have a good. time. I mean, it was it was good to to get up, you know, Thursday morning before and go for a walk and just turn that walk into the RM preview. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, me walk. and Matt and Sonny just went down the hill, went to the uh, RM preview, looked at some uh, really cool cars. Um, I'm a little surprised that the uh, Shelby Ferrari went for, I think, 22 or something like that. It's a lot of money. But I, I, I thought maybe more out of that car. And that was, that was the big car, I think, for the weekend. I think that was the big auction car. I'm not sure what else might have been. Well, I mean, what could have beat it? 
is the uh, McLaren F1. Right. But we, we don't know because that was done via like an online auction or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, but the McLaren, I would reckon, beat that number. I would think so. I was thinking 25-ish. Right. Yeah. So uh, that was cool. Um, RM seemed to have kind of the lion's share of the good stuff. Um, they seemed to be the strongest in terms of, yeah. you know, the cars, the cars they had. RM had some good stuff. The I can't recall the name, but the Jet Hanger auction was so pretty Broad cool. So Broad Arrow is the, the yeah. new auction company acquired by Haggerty. They rolled their preview into the Jet Center party Wednesday night. Their auction was Thursday. And a lot of the cars that were at, you know, at the Jet Center event were the auction cars. So they opened up a second hangar where the auction was going to take place. And, yeah, some cool cars in there. They had the Sean Connery Aston Martin. Um, yeah. I think that one did pretty well. I think that thing did like $2 million plus. Yeah, that thing did well. Um, was it a hard top or a convertible? That was a hard top. Oh, hard top. Yeah. Because we were looking at the door trim that's and stuff a, like that. Yeah. That's a that's, – now – it's not really – I mean, obviously, Sean Connery's a big star, but that that's more of a 007 association, I yeah. think, with that with that car. But uh, that was a cool piece. Um, it was – Jet Hanger was great. Food was good. Drinks were good. Lots to walk around and look at. Sonny was able to get in there this time and yeah. stroll amongst the adults. Um <laughs> That was a good event. Uh, Quail, we got there. I got there a little bit late because my run group was going off on uh, Friday at like, I don't know, 1 o'clock or something. But I was able to hustle it over there and walk yeah. around, get something to eat, have a drink. Sonny and I got there. Um, and then I was like, Sonny, you want to walk around? You're going to run off on your own. He's like, I'll run off on my own. Did not see him until the <laughs> until the way out. Like he popped his head up, his little afro every once in a while from behind a car or a helicopter someplace. <laughs> he needed a haircut. He's got a <laughs> he's got a he's got a strange loner gene where he just gets on his electric bike yeah. and that'll, that'll be the last you see of him. He doesn't have. I'll tell you why he's a good person to travel with. You can't even. Think of the times when you said to him, all right, we're going here or we're, we're leaving the house. We're going to the track or we're leaving the track. We're going to the auction or we're leaving the auction. We're going to uh, Pebble Beach. He just goes, all right. He yeah. just puts stuff down, follows you. That's it. He's Whatever down. it is. You don't have to when, – when the event either starts or is over – most kids, it's a full-blown negotiation with mm -hmm. everything all the time because – you tell them, get off the electric bike, we're going to the quail, and they go, I would, can I ride it for just – like it's, yeah. it's a negotiation. I go, they go, just give me another 20 minutes riding the bike. You go, no, we have to go. And then they go, 10 minutes, 10 minutes more on the bike. You go, no, we're, we're leaving now. And they go, five minutes, five minutes. And then you, at some point you go, fucking fine, five. I hope you crash. Five, <laughs> five. But it's always like – it's always a negotiation. Yeah. Him, I, I, you just say, here we go. Like whether you're leaving the house or going back to the house. He was, he was that way when he first went maybe six years ago. He was 10 years old. We're throwing the football around. We're like, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. He's like, okay. You know, and he'd bring the football and he'd throw it up in the air by himself. <laughs> now now what, he's more interested in the cars. What'll be funny. <laughs> what, what's always funny about life is that, uh, 
at some point he'll get a girlfriend or a wife or something yeah. like that. He said he was working on it. That's what he told me. They'll get into a fight <laughs> and then she'll accuse him of being the unreasonable one. <laughs> He's the easiest, most reasonable person on the planet. As a matter of fact, if everyone was like Sonny, we'd just be living in some kind of reasonable utopia. Listen, I don't know what kind of tax base we'd have, but we, people would enjoy their lives After more. the quail, he was talking about the food. He was talking about the cars. And did you go here? Did you see that? Did you see that? So he was, he was, he was getting more into you know what he's seeing there and who he's meeting and... Yeah, he's getting into the cars. He's kind of waking up. He's understanding. It makes sense. You know, when you're 10, you you want the brand newest, shiniest, you know, whatever is. But he's starting to get a – his palate is getting more yeah. refined when it comes to stuff. And he definitely knows the difference between, you know, the modern day, you know, the kind of coolish Ferrari and then the sort of hypercar Bugatti. And he, right. he likes the nicer stuff more, the limited stuff. Yeah, yeah, he does. But I, that that's pretty much on par with a lot of, you know, kids. Like, But he was you know, enamored by seeing some cars and seeing them for, for, for what they are. You know, when you see the interior of a Pagani, you know, it got his attention. Yeah. You know, when he was a kid, he's asking a lot of questions. What's that? What's that? What's going on there? What's... You know, why does it look so different? Check that out. Well, it was uh, – the weather was, as it always is, just pretty spectacular. The uh, people were always what what they were, uh, spectacular. The um, the lawn was awesome, minus that chick who let her dog take a dump in the middle <laughs> of it. Uh, we saw some uh, – to me, the one-off coach-built Ferraris and stuff like that were the coolest – all right, uh, Randy Nannenberg is uh, co-founder. Bring a trailer is going to be uh, joining us now, and we'll speak to uh, we'll speak to Randy. I've always been a big fan. All the car guys I know are huge fans of Bring a Trailer. Randy, can you hear us? I can hear you. Yeah, can you hear me? Hello. Yeah. Well, congratulations on Bring a Trailer. Um, the and congratulations, especially on uh, some of the premium stuff. You know, I. Uh, I was early money. I, I, I would say to Matt seven years ago, why not sell a goal wing on Bring a Trailer? And Matt, I don't want to throw him under the bus. <laughs> He'd just go, because it's Bring a Trailer, you don't sell goal wings That's on right. Bring a Trailer. And I said, but everyone knows the price of a goal wing. Anyone who's in the market for a goal wing at the time knows it's 950 to a million. Right. Uh, it's right in there. It's tight. And they all know it. They all know it. So why not do away with the auction premium and get it on Bring a Trailer? And the seller wants that money in their pocket. The The buyer doesn't want to pay the premium. Why wouldn't it work? And a few years later, it was up and running. And I feel like it's worked. I, I've seen uh, LaFerraris are selling on Bring a Trailer now. Did you ever think this day would come, Randy? Yeah, it's pretty wild. We didn't know that it would come in the sort of fast volume way that it has. You know, yeah, LaFerrari is the, the top selling car on BAT at five million bucks. And if you have a $5,000 fee to sell a $5 million car, it's pretty crazy on a percentage basis. Yeah. So people have started to adopt that. You know, it's a new world. Do you start to regret that fee, that cap? <laughs> <laughs> people ask us, yeah. you know, are we going to raise it or what are we doing? And I, I just like it right where it is. You know, I mean, I love that it's so 
so different than the 10 auctions in terms of in terms of what the whole dynamic of the transaction looks like and i think it's compelling and it, it you got to take a little bit of a leap to do it online right it's a different way to sell a premium car like that and we don't have you know the whole teams of folks that take you out to 10 steak dinners to get your bugatti to sell and stuff the way the old auction world works we we do it in a much more you know we kind of treat those folks well but we also treat you know the people with a Datsun 510 well it's kind of a more egalitarian uh, sort of universe that we live in but uh, people are adopting it on the high end i mean there's you know Countaches are selling you know every month on BAT and you know heavy stuff F40 sold uh, it, it's just it's just a new mentality and i think it's a little different and younger mentality for how people want to do it this uh this number here in front of me says uh bring a trailer bring a trailer last year sold 829 million dollars of cars on the auction platform what do you what do you think is the secret sauce what do you think that made bring a trailer end up being such a success. There's obviously competitors, lots of sites out there that are selling cars. Obviously more now that you guys have paved the way, but what do you think made Bring a Trailer the hit? Well, we had such a long head start where frankly nobody believed that we could do it, right? I mean, we turned on auctions in 2014 and everybody had a very similar conversation to what you two guys had. Uh, about like, no, that's not going to work on BAT, you know? And people were saying that from the get-go on lot number one, like where you had a Boss 302, and people were like, no, this digital thing's not going to work. And so there was a lot of, uh, you know, effort to be put in, in in like for four or five years. We didn't have any competition um, that copied the model really until, call it 2020, you know? It was like six years where there was no right. competition and, and a lot of skepticism. And we just had to bash through that and... Um, and keep working and kind of convince each sale, each new sale and milestone would convince people more and more. Um, and eventually the mentality got to the, the point where it was kind of a tipping point and it was the majority of people were saying yes instead of saying no. But that took a, a long time to get there. And um, so that gave us, you know, a, a five, six year head start on everybody else that's kind of trying to do it now in the last couple of years. And, and some of those are compelling and they're going to do, you know, some corner of the market to pick or, or a different flavor or a uh, you know, a YouTube star way to do it. And, and that's cool. They're, they're doing some other things, but the community that built and sort of saw the evolution on BAT for years and years is really sticky and really loves transacting on BAT and the, the way we, uh, you know, shoot for transparency. And that's, that's been a differentiator. Yeah. People it's, it's really a community. I, I think, um, I don't know what the volume is to the website, but I know so many people, people that just look at it like it's sort of like our dads would look at the sports page in the morning with a cup of coffee they weren't playing the sport they weren't trying out for the team they just they like sports they just look at it I mean I just go on it on a I'd say pretty much I'd probably average about four and a half times a week just to see what's out there what's going on uh I bought a car or two but mainly i i go on the site just to look around and see yeah. what's out there people matt forward me uh, a z car that was on there the other day like it's a lot of sharing a lot of discussions it the forums are good you can read the columns even a lot of the newer content a lot of a lot of video archival stuff from back in the day i find myself watching watching some of that stuff it's really kind of turning into a cars and coffee versus a, an online auction site. 
Well, yeah, it's cool to diversify out, right? That's the stuff that you guys and I actually really want to do, right? We don't just want to, you know, only buy and sell every day. Like some, some maybe maniacs do that sort of thing, like day traders or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I more want some of the story, right? I, I read, I go deep on listings and comment threads on cars I have no business owning and yeah. will never own, right? But it's, but it's, uh, but it's super cool to learn about them and. Uh, you know, that Allard that raced at Pebble Beach in 52 was listed on the site. And it's like the, the owners, they're talking about it. So, I mean, that sort of stuff is just really deep and interesting. Honestly, it's what car magazines used to do um, and what some very, you know, limited set of winners on on YouTube do well. But there's um, there's just a lot of opportunity when a car is being, you know, transacted or changing hands to tell all those sort of stories, whether it's the buyer, or the seller, or the or the grandpa of the buyer, or, the, or whatever it is, right? I mean, there's cool stuff that comes about. I have to wonder though if that Z that you're talking about was the the planner's car that is claimed to be the Tom Cruise car. Did you see that car? I wanted to pick your brain on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's we a definitely sh- saw that car right when it sh- came up. Showroom production. You, well, you think it's legit? Like some guys are arguing that it's not legit because there's no SCCA logbook, but it's got the roll bar and it's got the old paint photos and whatever. And I was like, I mean, I don't think a lot of people were making clones of showroom stock cars in 1980 when that car had bad paint on it already right. or whatever. But but uh, yeah, you guys are the experts on on all things, you know, Paul Newman and, and that whole world. I wanted to get your take. Yeah, it's a said to be an '84 showroom stock car. Showroom stock. I, I don't. I don't have the rules in front of me, but you put in a roll cage, put in some safety stuff. Probably let you put on a set of springs and um, you know uh, stainless steel brake lines and you know this a couple safety yeah. features. Um, but they run it is what it is showroom stock and it's it probably the place to get started you know i i think maybe spec miata has now usurped you know showroom stock but spec miata is kind of now well you might want to start with miata spec miata this was that kind of interesting though to see the dots and z going against the pontiac firebird or something it kind of gave you a, a better real world Flavor. I mean, you know, look, by the time you get to Trans Am and it's a full peerless tube frame car with a God knows Roush engine or something in it, it's really hard to go. Well, a Ford's but that 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 Mustang is better than that Camaro. Like they're they're both running on the same peerless chassis and, you know, have fire cells and stuff in them, but uh, fuel cells. But this one is interesting. It's it's 84. It's um, cruise. Uh, there's interest, obviously, in Cruz with you know jackets and memorabilia from Top Gun, his the uh, the risky business nine twenty eight yeah, selling for almost two million bucks. You know, it's out there. We have some of the Tom Cruise racing memorabilia, driver suit, helmets, and some photos and stuff. So this cool. this car, if it is indeed the real car, uh, I believe we got a photo hanging on the wall with Cruz in that in that. In he, that car. Well, the thing that's interesting is he raced it, I think, when it was just red. And then at some point, they put it into the Peanuts-sponsored Bob Sharp, yeah. you know, red, white, and blue. And it makes sense. He he ran it. I think he ran showroom stock for a season. And then he went into GT2 or something, whatever that 240SX or something kind of tube frame car was uh, later on. He he stepped it, stepped it up in the performance and the horsepower. But I guess he ran a season of 
showroom stock. And, you know, what I always say about like this kind of stuff when people go, you know, is that really Houdini's wand? I go, does anyone else claim to have Houdini's wand? I mean, if, if, if that car's not the actual car, don't you think the person who owns the actual car would be piping up going speak up right away? Hey, right. It, it, that's kind of to your point, Randy. Was is is I'm a fan of the comments and the stories that are on Bring a Trailer as well. So when we first saw the car, uh, we're, we're in the middle of doing something. I, I skimmed through the listing. We got on the phone. Is this the real car? And I go, the comments will probably work it out. You know, the people that see the car as it spreads out and it gets out to that community. I can't tell you how many guys I speak to at the track that was like, I crewed this car back in 84. I was there (laughs) in Pocono. You know, I, my dad took me, you know, I mean, these people are scattered to the wind. They're all over the country. They all have a story. They're all all over there. And they're, they, they're, uh, they're not scared to weigh in. (laughs) They're not scared to weigh in. That's for sure. They they do that in your face in the paddock, but they do that on BAT the other 364 days a year. Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, anyway, it's, a, it's an interesting car. would we'll definitely keep a, an eye on it. And I would like to see some of the stories that pop up. But, you know, a, a car like this back then with crews, you know, like you said, not not really well documented probably at the time. And you're trying to piece some stuff together. And, you know, we, we have seen some cars that come across, uh, you know, you know, come across our computer where they're like, this is the so-and-so Ferrari. And then just you dig into it more and more and more. You're just like, it's just not enough there. There's just not enough to, to show that it is what it is. But but I will, I will say this about what Randy has created or co-created and what is going on inadvertently is you're creating an archive and a file for all these cars that didn't exist and and never formally existed. So, you know, back in the day, you'd buy an old car. There'd be maybe a couple of pictures from the old days, maybe a logbook if you're so lucky. Maybe there'd be some paperwork that went along with the package. But this is creating an actual file. I mean, so if you buy that car – you will forever have logged all of these comments, all these opinions, all the old data, all the yeah. pictures. I mean, it's just there. It's just it's it will forever be there. And it, look, it could be the aforementioned five ten, whatever it is. You got the story. Bring a trailer is turning into the the greatest reference point for these cars. The greatest version of a Wikipedia for the car world. Where you're getting the story of the car, tons of photos, a price and a date, and a bunch of comments. So don't ever take that down, by the way, Randy. I don't care how much uh, Amazon hosting you guys need to get or whatever is going to happen, but you're going to have to keep those archives up forever because they really are just becoming the best resource for car research and photos and stories and, and to be able to see like who bought a car and then maybe reach out and be like, Hey, do you still have this? What's going on? Are you going to sell it again? What did you learn about it? Yeah. Uh, Well, I I love that. And we've done that since the early days because it always drove me nuts that, you know, you'd, you'd see something, you'd see a car at a show or or at an event and you'd be like, I saw that car on eBay like a year ago. Didn't I, did that thing sell? Like what, 
what was the deal with that? Or that was on some other website. And then you'd go digging and it's all gone. It's, right? gone. it's all flushed. You're like, you can't find it. But you, wasn't that car a different color? Like, right. or what, wasn't that car rolled? Or what, right. what was the deal? Right. And you go hunting around and you can't find it. Right. It's like the, the Internet has washed it. Right. And so I was always just like, we got to find some way to keep this stuff permanent and make it a record. And it, and it started to be interesting because the super early days of BAT, you know, 07, 08, I'd feature something off some other website and then it would pop up again and I'd go back and update it. And I was like, wow, updating the file is kind of cool. That's yeah. kind of, you know, I'd pop it back to the top and people would be like, oh, yeah, I remember when that was on BAT two years ago. Right. And now people are maniacs and they're like, I remember when that was on BAT, you know, 12 years ago, you know, and then you can really get into the weeds of the history and you're, you are kind of making this punch list resume of the of the vehicles. And now that there's, you know, 85,000 of them, there's, it's cool. Cause you trip across stuff that you actually want to know the history of, and it's uh, still live on the website from, from years earlier. So I, I do think that's cool. And the, the permanence was always something that was important to me. What does BAT look like behind the scenes? Is it, is it all uh, computer engineers, programmers? Do you have, uh, what's the ratio to content editors or writers? Like, what is the, like, how big has it grown? How many people do you have? Who's doing what back there? Yeah, good question. Well, it's been a rocket ship the last, I call it two to three years. So in, in 2019, um, we had like, like 14 employees, 10, 14 employees right in there. Um, now we're at about 150. Um, and that's required just to, uh, you know, deliver the level of service and everybody gets a human to talk to when they're listening to their car and stuff. It's not like, uh, you know, robotic or, or like fully automated, um, and cause there's still stuff you have to suss out. A, a smart person has to suss out whether this seller is, you know, telling the truth or actually has the title to the car. Right. Or if they're going to need help that everybody asks, everybody's got a different question, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do I say this? How do I explain this? You know, is this, uh, is this story legitimate? Is this, you know, spec sheet on the car factual? Like we have to go into all that sort of stuff because we don't want to list a car on the site that has, you know, dodgy, details will understate things like like uh uh instead of overstating them because we have to do that but that takes human touch and so that takes a customer service department that takes a you know fact checkers and helpers and and then there's the engineering side that you're talking about right there's people working on features and you know integrating shipping that we have now and all this other crazy stuff that we've added onto it and and it's taken a lot of work but it's um yeah a lot of people are like oh this is this must be easy i'm going to turn on an auction right and we're like yeah we're like good luck you know start the adam corolla auction tonight do it right because it's like a lot of people like uh you know their eyes are a little bigger um bigger than they can actually uh execute on it because it's a tough it's a tough thing to get right and it takes a lot of a lot of effort um is there any thoughts about doing a bring a trailer version for i don't know watches or motorcycle motors well motorcycles pop up quite a bit few yeah boats will pop up i memorabilia i think will will pop up too on on bring a trailer i mean all things sort of with wheels or wheels adjacent will you know send us helmet and stuff like that stuff Stuff will come up. Right. But- Do you take the platform and, and get it out to other interests? So in the early days, we were presented with that. Like, I want to do the BAT for watches. I want to do the BAT for handbags. I want to do the BAT, you know, thing for shoes. I want to do that. Yeah, all this sort of stuff. And we were on just such a fast ride trying to keep our arms around it and the growth and the enthusiasm with cars. And honestly, I don't really care personally, you know, in my free time about those uh, spaces as much as I do about cars. 
Um, and so we were like, we're just going to shelve that. Maybe we'll do it someday. And some other people have kind of tried and, and they haven't, nobody's cracked the community component as much in those spaces uh, in terms of auction, combining auction with community. Um, and so we, yeah, we do have a, you know, the, the motorcycle category on BAT, there's like, there's like 15, 20 bikes a week on BAT, which is like not nothing. It's its own legit category. Boats are more sporadic. We, we liquidated a, a boat museum that had like, you know, 80 boats or something like that. Right. So right. We, we've gotten uh, peaks and valleys on that, but those areas, I think, um, we're, we're actively pursuing doing more in those categories, the, the, the far afield categories, like you know, jewelry. We've stayed a, away from watches a little bit. We do rally timers and some cool, uh, like if it was some sort of automotive uh, oriented watch, we would do it, but we haven't built a full watch category. Some other people are really into watches uh, a little bit more than we are. There's a, there's real trickiness with watches because there's, it's much easier to produce a fake Rolex than like a fake, uh, you know, Ford Mustang. So <laughs> the verification of things on watches is super dodgy. Like a lot of people are listing things online that aren't real in the watch world. And so the 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 ability to verify that sort of stuff is is something right. um, that that we're cautious before we dive into. Yeah, that's um, a good point because when you get into stuff like that, handbags and watches, there is an entire counterfeit empire, the whole world out there for that. Not a lot of counterfeit like cars. It's too complicated. But talk about uh, well, you can like, do a fake. You can do a fake uh, Sunbeam Tiger or a fake Shelby <laughs> or a fake. You know, well, you can clone a, of, a car and stuff like yeah. that, but you're not yep. you're not doing it from scratch, right? Yep. Uh, yep. What kind of volume is is happening now? Like, how many cars get listed a week, or how many how many are selling a day, a week? What whatever your metrics are. So we just eclipsed a hundred a day. We're on a seven day cycle now. We used to I don't know if you guys remember from the early days, but we like launched it on like a Wednesday only, yeah. right? I yeah, mean, it yeah. was like we launched it with three cars on a Wednesday and did that. That was the first like several months, which is crazy now because it's a we went to a seven day cycle a couple years ago, and now it's a hundred a day. So seven hundred a week are being listed. Uh, sale rates at about 80% of those. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, whatever, 560, 70 that sell every single week. Um, and there's still a, you know, a, a solid line of, of demand for people that want to list and we're still selective on it. As you know, we curate and, and are picky about what goes on the site. And, um, but yeah, there's, there's the growth curve on that has been wild. You mentioned, you know, 830, um, million last year we've already eclipsed that this year and we're only at the end of august right so it's gonna it's gonna go um and tip over the billion mark this year which is which is nuts but um but that's the world we live in i think there's great adoption of the model people just want to do it online they don't want to ship their car to mecham in houston you know they want to do something else and and possibly ship it back which i've done before (laughs) (laughs) right two two things that we've seen that have come up um recently that we've had uh, well three things one is we're seeing these 90s cars pop up and pulling good money. We're seeing the Japanese car market really start to catch on. Uh, I think that's it's a, it was it was an untapped market. It just wasn't getting the the views. And for some reason, I, low mile cars, like low miles of cars, are just coming out of the woodwork and popping up on PAT. Like who knew there were so many whatever Integra Type R's out there with. 37 miles on it like where were these cars the whole time and and you probably get a much more of an opportunity to hear from the collectors and the people that have had these cars and uh like what's going on on any one of those the the japanese cars and 90s cars like what, what are your thoughts on those 
Well, the '90s cars. I mean, all all three of us have dug those cars for a long time. I know you guys had those when I visited your your uh, studio down there, and you you walked me through the shop. You guys have had those kind of cars in the works for a long time. We've always liked them. Uh, just sort of age demographic has dictated a lot of that. I'm sure you guys have uh, talked about those themes many times, just in terms of the the cars that I was psyched on when I was in high school in the early '90s were the you know current cars that I couldn't have. So that that is a uh, sort of demographic shift, and and I think it's going to be around for a while. Somebody said, "Is this a fad?" And I was like, "Well." Uh, I hope I don't die tomorrow. I hope I've got another 30, 40 years in me, right? And if I do, I'm going to keep liking those cars. So that's not a fad. I'm going to keep liking those cars for decades. Right. And I think all of my uh, contemporaries are and, too. So I, I think that I, works. I think, you know, Matt is talking about two points, you know, Japanese cars and then mid-90s cars or 90s cars. But I think they're the same car. Like those are <laughs> Japanese cars. You know, those were, you know, we started off with talking about, you know, Mustangs and Camaros and stuff like that. But by the time you got to the early, mid or 90s, the cool stuff was Japanese. So maybe it's not two categories. Maybe it's just 90s cars. Yeah. Because in 1993, you wanted a turbo Supra. You didn't want a Firebird or or even a Mustang. You know, you wanted, you wanted those cars. So it's probably not this and that. It's probably just both. Right. Yeah. I think so. I mean, Matt, you've been playing with 93 Mustangs for a while. So you were still in the Mustang team at that point. And I was too. But yeah, I mean, Japanese cars were uh, very, very mainstream by the 90s. Right. I mean, you talk about the 70s. I mean, the Datsuns were cool and stuff, but they were still sort of entering the market and they hadn't like almost taken over like the way they had on a volume basis by the 90s in terms of uh, reliability and, and, you know, economical and, and even performance areas, Japanese cars were everywhere by the nineties. And so obviously the, the, some of the marquee models are very sought after. And, um, yeah, again, I mean, people, people that I was going to high school with back then, like their dream car was a type R or was a, mm-hmm. you know, something they saw in the movies or whatever. So I don't think it's any surprise. I think we've been talking about this, uh, Japanese and nineties narrative for, Mm-hmm. four or five years or maybe going on almost 10 years right of talking about right. those kind of cars and featuring those kind of cars and it's finally here and there's some people that are still like surprised and it's like guys we've been talking about this for a while this has been coming for a while and it it is crazy just on paper that a you know a, an integra type r is a six-figure car and a, right. a supra with an automatic and t-tops is a 200 grand car which is bananas <laughs> 250 right? but, yeah. i think crazy uh, yeah. yeah and there's so, some wrx stuff up there that's starting yeah. to go bananas yeah. as well randy we hope you can uh come by and say hi to us uh next time you're in town we'll give you a, a tour of the 90s type japanese cars <laughs> they're mostly racing cars now <laughs> once but, again yeah and congratulations on bringatrailer.com because um it's just the go-to website for all car guys and it it does not discriminate between guys who like japanese cars and guys who like american cars and it's not even a I know some of the biggest heavy hitters in the in the car world who have millions of dollars in worth of cars in their collections. They're on Bring a Trailer, just like uh, Joe Sixpack. It's is. the it's the only email I look forward to in the morning is getting that email yes. with the list of, of new cars. So uh, well, I I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. That's a uh, that's high praise coming from you guys in the middle of the car world. Thanks, Randy. We uh, we appreciate your time. Okay.
All right. You can, uh, if you're going to be in Austin, Texas, I'm going to be at Cap City Comedy Club September 9th and 10th. And uh, then you can just go to adamcrolla.com for all the live shows and uh, the book. The new book, Everything Reminds Me of Something. It's You can get the audiobooks, like eight hours and 34 minutes. What do you got, Matt? Uh, I'm going to post some more stuff from Monterey Car Week because there's so many photos that we got. So just give me a follow at Motorator on social media. I'll get more stuff up there for you guys. So until next time, Adam Carolla for Randy Nonnenberg and Matt, the Motorator, DeAndrea, saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Saddle up and get ready for Westerns Weeks on Pluto TV, all for free. We're coming in blazing with favorites like True Grit and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Or immerse yourself in binge-worthy series like Yellowstone and Walker, Texas Ranger. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies, TV shows, and more. The best part? It's free. No credit card, no sign-up, no fees. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now.